0: Now, let's get on with the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and I am uh, excited today to have our guest, Dieter Leonard join us. Hello, Dieter.
0: Hey, CJ. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's so good to, to have you on. Uh, Dieter and I go way back, and, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, <laughs> but um, uh, Dieter we love to have our guests uh, introduce themselves a little bit uh, just so that you know they get a sense of, of, of who's on uh, and we'd love to have you take a moment to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Great. Well, thank you again, CJ, for for the invitation for me to help with this. And um, so as CJ said, I'm Dieter Leonard. I'm currently a senior director of compliance for a company called Inovus Corporation. Uh, we are a very large, uh, actually an international durable medical equipment, medical device, and medical technology company that's based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But we do have offices all over the world. Um, But to give you a little bit of background, kind of the historical part of of my career, um, I actually started out uh, in government affairs with a National Medical Specialty Society a number of years ago. and my role there really was physician reimbursement, coding, billing. Um, I was the guy who was making frequent trips to to, uh, CMS in Baltimore, also to Washington DC to attend hearings and and meetings. Um, We also had interestingly that that entity also had a uh, political action committee so I also was involved in that and so involved with um, meeting with members of Congress to talk about various issues that were of interest to the specialty. Um, Beyond that, I've done consulting. Uh, I actually, interestingly, ran two different billing companies in my career, uh, physician billing and hospital billing companies. Um, But really the biggest and I would say the longest part of my career was um, I was a Director of Billing Compliance at a very large academic medical center, uh, University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center located in Dallas. And so um, as you might imagine, with an academic medical center, lots of interesting issues going on all the time for us in compliance. Um, we had approximately 3000 physicians in our practice plan. We owned and operated two of our own hospitals on the campus. Uh, lots of research. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's kind of a snapshot of my career, CJ, but I think, you know, I've been in compliance for a long time and and really before that um, did work that we didn't use the term compliance, but it really right. was, you know, compliance oriented. So,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, and I love hearing kind of uh, how people came to compliance. And so I appreciate you sharing that background. We all come from different backgrounds, which I think kind of makes the, the, the profession, exciting and enjoyable. And, and uh, Dieter and I met when I was at University of Texas, uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is a part of the University of Texas system, just like UT Southwestern was. Um, And we worked together on, you know, physician billing and coding compliance type of issues. And then I moved on to the um, University of Texas system offices uh, in Austin. And, And I think Dieter was still at UT Southwestern. So that's such a great uh, institution a premier medical center and a training institution and we had a lot of good years uh and i appreciate all the 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 things i learned from dieter over the years at u uh, t
0: well thank you well and and the things i learned from you i you know c j you were always very helpful and particularly when we got into some you know specific physician coding issues you know you being a physician yourself i i i think that was always very helpful and um, there were many times I pretended to be a physician when I went into walking with our faculty um, or an attorney, which I'm neither of those but uh, but uh, you know it, it was always great working with you and always appreciated your insight and, and you know what you were able to help us with and we, we did accomplish a lot I think during our time at the University of Texas system overall. so that was it was a great time.
1: Yeah, it was. And so part of the reason I reached out to Dieter is I knew he he's he's just got a a great breadth of compliance. And we wanted to talk today kind of just high level uh, general compliance topics. Um, You know, you've had a good um, many years of experience. And so I think that that gives you some good insights in maybe reading the tea leaves or sharing advice on on certain things. And so we're going to do a kind of a little potpourri type of uh, questions today. Uh, and we're going to start off with um, a question about challenges. And so, Dieter, I wanted to get your take on what you see as some of the more significant challenges that face compliance professionals, you know, maybe for the rest of this current year of 2023, and maybe even starting to look into 2024, if you have any thoughts on on challenges.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's always interesting because for those of us who Work in an area which, you know, we all do in healthcare, where it's highly regulated. Um, We're always dealing with, you know, new new things coming out from the federal government and typically from CMS. Um, And it's always interesting, I think, when we talk about challenges. You know, it's sort of the okay, what (laughs) what is coming next, right? Right, right. What's going to happen next? And so it's just part of part of the challenge is dealing with the unknown. And um, you know, to your point a second ago, yeah, I've been in compliance really since uh, the very early '80s, and um, in healthcare really now for 40 plus years. And so yes. know, I'm giving away my age a little bit. But, you uh, started when you were 12. I started when I was 12. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and, and we won't talk about you know the child labor laws, but my parents thought it would be good for me to go to work, and so. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think, you know, the challenges that we see, of course, you know, one of the big things everyone's talking about right now is artificial intelligence. Right. Right. And how, and how is that going to get used? Um, how we do we in compliance make sure it's used appropriately? So I think that is definitely, you know, a challenge. It's also an opportunity, I think, for the future. Right. But, it, you know, it's always a balance, right? Of how do we make it work correctly? But not allow it to do things that it really shouldn't do. Um, You know, the other thing I would say, and uh, really is another challenge. What I'm seeing, at least in my industry, you know, DME, you know, health, you know, health um, services, um, and and so forth, is really, even though companies are doing relatively well in today's world after the pandemic. What I do see is, you know, bottom lines and particularly cash flow issues always, you know, always come into play here, right? Yes. And as you know, particularly well, CJ, anytime anytime there was a little bit less cash, compliance and or legal, and usually it's both. Those are usually the last entities or business, you know, operations within an enterprise they get thought of, right? Right. And so, you know, so one of, one of the big challenges I see, frankly, and, and I think we've all seen it for probably a few years now through the pandemic and then out of the pandemic. But as as budgets get tighter, what happens is we still see expansion and growth within our companies, within our enterprises. And right. so it's an expectation, frankly, and we see it, you know, I see it every day where you know, you as a compliance person will just cover more issues yourself because we don't have the resources to hire more staff or to bring in additional, you know, other kinds of resources that might be needed. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's that that's an ongoing challenge. It's been there before, but I'm I'm really seeing it pretty acutely now. And uh, again, you know, the the thing that that worries me a little bit in terms of a challenge is how do you balance taking on you know 10 12 15 more compliance issues and you know in areas that you typically have not worked in before right um, while your company is expanding and growing and you know either acquiring you know other companies or merging or what have you so to me that's that's kind of the more pressing challenge that i see is you know how do we balance that that challenge yeah. um, and how do we survive
1: that's a great point, Dieter, because, you know, and I've experienced it too, where, you know, people are like, as the company expands or as new issues come up, they're like, oh, that falls into compliance's bucket or in their realm. And it's like the things just keep getting added on and you might not be having more uh, employees added to you or or other resources. And so, yeah, it's like you're you're trying to figure out how do I accomplish all this? Uh, with the limited resources I have, with new things being added. Uh, You know, the other thing I appreciate you mentioned was AI. Um, I was at a conference recently, uh, about three months ago, and uh, the keynote speaker, it was a kind of physician coding uh, and CPT kind of conference, but they talked about AI. And it was interesting because he talked about it in the context of of history and other major historical events that kind of are... Uh, items that like have a paradigm shift. So he even went back into time and said, you know, when man discovered fire, uh, when you know, when the wheel was uh-huh. discovered, when uh, the printing press, like how that changed life. Uh-huh. Right? It was like uh-huh. this monumental historical event. Um, you know, the industrial age, the computer. Just think of how the computer or how the television changed life. Um, and his his you know prediction was that AI is going to be one of those types of advancements. It might not happen tomorrow, but, you know, over the next decade or so, his prediction was AI is going to be one of those major historical events uh, in history. That's going to change our world a little bit. Kind of like, you know, when I was growing up, I never dreamed of having a phone that I carried around with me that had computing right. power, you know, right. that more than uh, my, I have an engineer relative uh, who worked on uh, some NASA projects and said, your phone has more computing computing power than some of the early uh, rockets that they, and, and spaceships that they sent up in oh, yeah. space decades ago. So it's like it really changes things even in our lifetime. So I, I'm glad you pointed out AI. Um, yeah. yeah. but And I do think, you know, again, that
0: there there could be an opportunity there because it's, it's always very interesting. You know, I, and I know you've talked about it before. We we always think about how can we use data, right? Right, right. To, to make our jobs and compliance not not necessarily easier, but use the data to make points and to bring a you know, bring a a lot of messages forward. And I think AI does present an opportunity there. But I do agree. I, I you know what you heard at the conference, I would agree with what I'm seeing in the in the. You know, in the environment now, in terms of discussions around AI, um, it's you know you start thinking about some of the movies, right? Where, right, where you know AI is your friend and works very well, and you're happy. You right. got it. And you see, you think of the other movies where AI takes over the world. I, I don't tend to have that view. Exactly. I, <laughs> you know, I tend to view AI as you know, again, if it's used correctly, it absolutely has. You know, it has an, you know, provides us with an opportunity, I would say. Yeah. Um, And I think, again, from a data perspective, you know, certainly it might help us do things a little bit more efficiently, a little bit more quickly, um, and certainly be able to, you know, get messages out more effectively.
1: I agree. And kind of like you said, if it's used appropriately, and I think that's true with all the technology, it's like the computer changed healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. We have electronic medical records now, but we also have bad actors who want to access that inappropriately and right. you know, use the data right. for nefarious reasons. And so right. to your point, I think AI is going to be a real benefit in many ways as it develops, but then we have to just always be cognizant of, uh, okay, how could somebody try to use this in an inappropriate way that, you know, right. could right. affect our compliance and that sort of right. thing
0: yeah.
1: yeah yeah well that's a great great discussion let me kind of shift gears a little bit um how how do you uh, as a compliance professional kind of find this appropriate work-life balance because you know you just mentioned about all these challenges maybe reduced resources uh, that could be stressful so how do you how do you and how do you would you recommend other compliance professionals find that appropriate work life balance with all these challenges that we're facing in healthcare today?
0: Yeah, that, you know that I think again we talk about challenges finding that balance is really one of the key challenges I think today again given that we're taking on more and more and we really you know either whether because it, it, we can't find. You know people to help us do the jobs when we do have openings or there just aren't any openings that we can even offer to people either way um work-life balance and again you know you heard <laughs> i've been around for a while and so as i get a little bit you know older in my life um work-life balance becomes much more critical and, and it's funny cj and, and you know you're probably on the same boat um, I think back when I was in my twenties and thirties and I had no problem. You know, I I thought it was fine working, you know, 80 hours a week or, (laughs) You uh, you know you're trying to get ahead. You're trying to, you know, advance your career. Right. Right. But what I found was as I got, you know, more, more mature, I will say. And as I got older, Um, you know, you start thinking more about, well, how do I, okay, how do I do this? I have so much to get done. How do I do this? And so, you know, to me, first of all, it's important that you have leaders, um, and particularly compliance leaders. So if you work for a compliance officer that understands the importance of work-life balance, um, You know, and that's always a, that's always interesting and that's a challenge in and of itself because you don't get to pick, you know, who your leader is in most cases, right. uh, you know, and so so that becomes really important. And I think one of the things I've been able to do as a senior director is to work with our chief compliance officer, um, really just to remind her that, look, you know, it's important that we have a work life balance. We, we yes, we have a lot to get done. And a lot of it is on a time frame. It has to be done by this date or by this time, right? But how can we then remove? It's always to me work life balance, um, whether we are truly talking about work life or even just work balance is about how do I recognize that? Okay, I need to take on three more things. So what three or four things can I either remove or delay? Right. Help, you know, to help again with that balance, it's all about keeping that balance. You know, it's, I mean, I mean you know, this, it's like, you're on a tightrope, right? Right. And you've got the long pole and you're trying to, you know, and then a bird lands on one side of your long pole and you're like, Oh, great. That, that's, <laughs> that's not good. Um, and so, yeah, to me, finding, you know, having leaders who understand the importance of work-life balance And actually live that through actions is very important. Um, The other thing is just personally, you have to remind yourself sometimes. And again, I I found this when I was younger. Um, I actually had the executive director of, of the specialty society I mentioned come into my office one evening, about 630 in the evening. And he said, you know, Dieter, you and I are the only two people here and I'm the executive director and it's not unusual and I should be here, you know? They're paying me to be here until 6.30, seven o'clock at night. Right. What are you still doing here? Yeah. You know, and I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I, I still have things to get done. And, and you know, I, I remember this to this day, he said, Dieter, it will still be there tomorrow, yeah. okay? And so, yeah. you know, so that was a good reminder early on in my career and, and, and I think the issue is, you know, we always have to worry about ourselves and burnout and, you know, and basically, you know, getting to a point where we become then ineffective as compliance right. leaders because now we're just so tired, we're exhausted and we, you know, right. we, don't, we don't think straight or we don't think through things as you know, or we react too quickly. So, you know, to me, the work life balance is very, very important. And, you know, what I would tell everyone is, you know, work with your, work with your supervisor, work with your manager, work with your boss and just make sure, you know, you're all on the same page about understanding the importance of look, you know, I need to be able to do other things in my life than just work. And that that means, you know, after hours, that means weekends, And again, you and I both know of people that, you know, in the old days had to carry pagers and were getting paged, you know, at all hours of the day, seven days a week. And that's just, you know, I think what's happened now, the good thing is most companies have recognized that's not a good thing and doesn't lead to, you know, long-term employee commitment. And so, you know, I think, again, as leaders in compliance, I always tell myself, look, what can I do to help out the people who report to me? So they truly have a work life balance. You know, yeah, you need to take time to go to doctor's appointments. Yeah. You know, you've got to take time because of your family. Um, And you need to be understanding about that.
1: Exactly. Um, I'm going to ask, I'm going to comment on this and and ask kind of a follow up question uh, right after a break. We're going to take a real short break uh, and then we'll be back with Dieter.
0: If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you need content to help advance your career in compliance. You need great information and CEUs to keep your certifications. We're here to help. Healthicity offers webinars on tons of topics designed to inform and educate while keeping it interesting. And most of our webinars will earn you 1.2 CEUs. We know you're busy. That's why our webinars work with your schedule. You can attend live or watch on demand. Grab a cup of coffee, a snack, whatever you need. Need. Settle in and check out all our webinars at healthicity.com slash resources. Now let's hear the rest of this episode of Compliance Conversations.
1: Welcome back, everybody, from the break. Um, we, are, we were just before the break, we were discussing kind of work-life balance. Um, and Dieter, I just wanted to, you know, kind of make a comment of I think the people who tend to be, not this is not always true, but a lot of the people who tend to be attracted to a, a, a job in compliance are very conscientious people, right? They're they tend to be rule followers themselves, and they tend to be, in some ways, kind of a perfectionist. And that's what makes them partly good at their job, is they're detail-oriented. They want to make sure things are done right. And to to our previous or com- discussion about kind of work-life balance, sometimes that can drive compliance people to do like what you were saying is you were there at six 30 at night um, and you're still working because you, you wanted things to get done. You were conscientious. You're like, these things need to be getting done. And if I don't do them, who's going to do them. And so one thing that I learned, and I'm kind of that personality as well. And like you earlier in my career, I was just spending so much time. And, uh, I had a family member once tell me, you know, and I think, they took this from from somebody else who who shared it i can't remember to give appropriate credit but they said life's like juggling you know these glass um balls or glass globes and uh you know some of those uh globes are are real fragile glass and some of the globes might be a little bit more um, durable and the ones that are very fragile, our kind of personal life, family, those sorts of things. And the job is a little bit more durable of a, of a globe that you're juggling. Uh, and sometimes it can drop and you can pick it back up. Sometimes it might break. <laughs> and so, so you do have to be sensitive and cognizant and conscientious about it. But to your point about work-life balance, the long, if you're thinking long-term you want to do what's healthy for you, you're not going to be an effective employee. If, if, your personal life issues are so bad because you're spending so much time at work. So I really appreciate you kind of raising that issue. Oh, no problem. And
0: yeah. And I think you're exactly right, CJ. I do think, you know, in our, in our industry and in compliance, you're right. I mean, we have a lot of people who are very, uh, you know, meticulous and they're very, um, rule-minded and and also are very you know driven I, I think that's that's really the good word is they're driven right um, and and yeah it's very easy to forget about that balance and I just always remember I, you know I've seen it on instagram I've seen it on YouTube um, but this you know it's a professor in a class a college class and basically he pulls out this jar he pull he puts a bunch of stones in it and talks about, you know, I filled this up with, you know, your work and then he goes, you know, do you think I can fit anything more in this? And the students all say, oh no, no, it's full. And then he starts pouring sand into it, right? Right. And and ultimately at the end of the whole thing, the message is, look, you know, you have to make room in your day and in your life for those things that really are the most critical. And again, it's, it's things around your health. It's your family, you know, it's, it's, you know, it may even be your pets, you know, whatever it is. Right. If you don't do that, ultimately your work life isn't going to work so well either. So you're going to balance those. So,
1: yeah. And you know, you can't separate the two. I mean, people say, let's keep those separate. Well, you're one human being. um, And if, things are stressful at work, it's going to affect your personal life. If things are stressful in personal life, it's going to affect your work. And so yeah. I, I think that's really good advice, especially from from someone like yourself who's, who's um, been in the field for a long time and kind of has the wisdom now of, of all those years of experience. So, uh, so let me ask you kind of a, somewhat related. Do you think that uh, remote work might be a way to help that? And just in general, Maybe talk about, let's talk a little bit about remote work. It's 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 new to many of us because of the pandemic. Some people found a lot of benefits from that. But I'm curious on your thoughts, can someone be effective in the compliance space if he or she is fully remote and doesn't get to interact face-to-face with his or her own team or with those who are looking for guidance from compliance? I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, that is again, when we talk about challenges, I think, you know, that's one of the big discussions as you're seeing again on the internet, you know, across a lot of different media today is, you know, should I bring all my staff back into the office or is it okay for them to work remote? Right. Right. Uh, and, And I think, you know, the answer CJ, and you're right. This the the whole discussion around remote fits in very well with the work life balance. And it's interesting because, um, I lived in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and as I mentioned, you know, we our headquarters is now in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So when I lived there, I was going into the office every day, you know, five days a week. And then uh, the pandemic hit, and interestingly, you know, I normally didn't take my laptop home, and for whatever reason, um, we were doing it more as a test. Interestingly, in clients, right. so we took our laptops home. And the very next day, the company announces, we don't want anyone coming in. We're shutting down the office because of the pandemic. And so, you know, so, I mean, it hit us very quickly. Um, And let me just say there were were a number of people on our team in compliance who were very concerned about that. Well, how am I going to get things done? You know, I I talk to so-and-so every day. I go, you know, I have people who come by my cubicle or by my workstation or by my office every day. Right. and so I would say there was a lot of concern about that in the beginning. But what I have seen now, since we've kind of gone through this period where everyone was working remote and now some people have gone back. It's interesting because what I find, and, and, and by the way, now I am completely remote because my wife and I moved out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and I'm in a spot where there is no office to go into. Um, Okay, so I can fly to Dallas, or I can fly out to California, where our other office is. Um, and so, you know, I'm completely remote now. So what I find interestingly, and and it's and it's funny because again, you hear the conversation around, well, people who you know aren't in the office aren't as efficient, and they aren't working as much or as hard as people who are in the office. Um, you know, that may be true for some. I have not seen that myself. Um, for me personally, I probably work more hours now than I did right. before because I'm not having to drive back and forth to the office. OK, and right. I always had to work into my schedule, my work schedule. How long is it going to take me to get to work? And then how long is it going to take me to get home from work? Um, You know, the other thing too is I, I, you know, kind of laughingly, I think about when I was going into the office every day. I would either go downstairs to the cafeteria for an hour to take a break for an hour to have lunch, uh, or I would you know go out to the to the break room and I would make something in the microwave and I would sit out there with people that you know I knew and worked with. Um, Today, when I work at home. I tend to eat my lunch at my same desk where I'm working. And so while I'm exactly. eating, I'm also checking email. I'm responding. Exactly. You know? And so it turns out, I think for us in compliance and, and yeah, you know, the big concern is, well, how can I, how can I do this remotely um, when, you know, I really need to be interacting with someone face-to-face? Well, that's why my answer to that is, that's why we have Microsoft Teams. That's why we right. have the <laughs> You know, that's why we have other tools that allow us, I'm on, we use teams at our offices. Right. And so I'm on, I'm on a teams meeting on video with people internationally all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've made it a habit now that when I'm in a meeting with somebody, I'm always on camera. Okay. Yeah. Um, what that means is I look really nice from the waist up. Right. Right. <laughs> And, uh, you know, who knows what I'm wearing from the waist down. But, 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 but the answer is I have not found, you know, really any sort of decrease in effectiveness. I'm still able to interact with people. Um, again, in Teams, there's a chat, uh, right. you know, application. Um, <laughs> interestingly, this happens now more than it did before. You know, I used to have some people drop by my office when I was there in, in the offices. And, you know, it asks me questions. Now what I get is people will send me a quick chat message and say, hey, are you available? Exactly. And then the next thing I know is I'm getting a phone call through Teams. Okay. For exactly. me. And it's very impromptu. And again, I go on camera. We interact face to face. And I'm talking with someone in Colorado. I'm talking with someone in California. I'm talking with someone. And we have a lot of people, by the way, in our industry in the field all the time. Right. Right. Um, they don't go to an office. They're always in the field. You know, we have right. sales people, we have people who do what we call field service representatives. And so the issue is I have really not found there to be any sort of decrease in effectiveness or capability now that we're more remote than we used to be. Yeah. Um, and I think this, again, back to the work-life balance, the challenge is I have to remind myself, okay, Dieter, maybe you should just walk away from your computer to have lunch today. OK, go, yep. go, eat, go eat in the kitchen or go, you know, go outside and sit outside for a few minutes, um, yep. because, again, you need to get away for a few minutes when you're taking a break or, or eating. Um, and so, I, yeah, I interestingly to CJ, I've seen some reports um, and a lot of studies. And it's interesting, you know, there's sort of the psychological studies about, people and interacting. And and it's interesting because our company has adopted now a return to work policy. And we do require our staff who are near an office to be in the office three days, you know, minimum three days a week. Okay. Uh, And so it's interesting because there's been a lot of feedback on that, you know, from people and some people really like it. And some people really don't, they feel like, well, wait a minute, you know, I was just as effective when I was fully remote and didn't have to go in the office. Why do I have to go in there now? Right. You know, and so what happens is here we go. Another, you know, another compliance issue that comes up, you know, what do you do when you have staff that are not following the company policy on return to work and being in the office Uh, and how, you know, how do we, we don't really enforce that in compliance, but we certainly, do investigations and i know we get this a lot through our hotline interestingly we get we get hotline complaints about you know i'm being forced to go back to the office and and you know and then you get the whole life story um which which i understand you know and i i am somewhat sympathetic to but but i think you know from a remote versus in office um it's interesting because i i do feel the pain that companies are feeling because look you know, again, I'll use my company as an example. That office in Louisville, we probably have oh, 120, maybe 200 thousand square feet in a building, okay? Right. And we're using probably less than a third of it right now, okay? Right. And so that's an expense. We don't own the building; we we lease it, and so right. you know that's an expense. And so I understand why you know, the president or the CEO or the CO might say, hey, we need people to come back in the office. And of course, (laughs) you always hear this is, you know, because it offers more opportunity to interact face to face, right?
1: Yeah, but then do Uh, you?
0: (laughs) Well, but that's just it. Uh, Again, you know, I was going into the office three days a week. This is before there was a policy after the pandemic was over, when I lived in the Dallas area. And what I found was, while there were cars in the parking lot, I rarely saw another human being in the office.
1: Yeah, exactly. You
0: know, rarely.
1: I mean, I would see the office manager.
0: Um, now I will say all the executive leadership were there every day. You know, They were there every day, but I didn't interact with them every day. Exactly. They were, you know, they were in the executive suite of the building and I didn't typically go over there unless there was a meeting. Uh, And interestingly, yeah, people weren't scheduling face to face meetings, they were still scheduling teams meetings, and they were doing them, you know, through video.
1: Yeah, that's so funny.
0: It's weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think you hit on a lot of good points for me. I I think it's going to vary from culture to culture and organization to organization. I, I think a lot of the same principles are the same. Like even when we all were meeting face-to-face, you still had to manage people and, and you had to make sure they were working efficiently and you had to be a good manager. That uh-huh. Those same principles can be applied even though you're, you're remote. And I, like you, I found myself working so much on this work-life balance kind of concept. I was like checking emails, you know, into the evening and early morning. It's just like, I didn't separate work uh-huh. And so, you know, some of us probably were working more because we're just kind of, you know, that kind of uh, mindset. Um, And so, yeah, there's pluses and minuses to all of that, and it's interesting to watch how uh, some organizations are adjusting one way in one direction, while others are another. And I was at another conference recently where we were talking, and uh, an HR person pointed out that the younger generation we were talking about generational differences and the younger generation in some cases is missing out on some really good mentoring um, right. opportunities right. because they're not face-to-face. And so, but you know, the answer to that is how can you then mentor through technology? Can you still do some right. of that mentoring and, and those sorts right. of things? So it's really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how all this is going to play out, but I think the workforce in general, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of employees who are going to demand or really want that work from home type of environment. So I think, I think we're going to see a little bit more of it, um, maybe not more than it was in the pandemic, but more than pre-pandemic, right? I think right. I think right. that, that ship is sailing uh, yep. out there.
0: <laughs> well, and, and to your point, CJ, what we found is in interviewing candidates in a number of different areas across the company, if we didn't offer the ability to work remote at least part of the time, right? We had really, really strong, I mean, excellent candidates. And they basically said, look, why would I come work for you if I have to be in the office five days a week? Right. Well, I'm gonna go work for, you know, name it, name a healthcare entity, and I can work remote three days out of the week yep. for that. Right. And same pay, same everything, right? Yeah. Why, why would I do that? And so we so interestingly, after the pandemic and and the company started pushing more and more, you know, we need you to come back into the office, Um, at least for our company, we ended up losing quite a few staff. I mean, we really did. Uh, we, We didn't lose anyone in compliance, thankfully, but we did lose a number of people in other key areas around the company. And I think that sort of opened the company's eyes a little bit about, well, maybe we should wait and not push this so hard and maybe be a little bit more flexible, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, but to your point, I think, yeah, it's it's a new dynamic, it's a new environment, and it'll be interesting to see how this all works out for everyone. And, um, yeah. but for me, you know, and one, interestingly, in, in compliance, we have uh, what, four people that are, in and work in our california office we have one person who's close to our dallas office and the rest of our team are all remote gotcha and uh so we never go into an office unless we fly into one of those locations and so um you know so we we have been remote actually even before the pandemic and now we've continued to do that and so and again at least from my perspective it's worked pretty well
1: yeah, that's great. Well, Dieter, we could we could talk all day. I know I could talk all day to you because you're a great colleague and friend. Uh, we are kind of running out of time here. I, I just wanted to uh, see if you have any last minute thoughts or, or or words of wisdom from all of your years of experience um, in compliance. Appreciate you sharing what you've shared already. But do you have any last thoughts or or, or comments?
0: Well, just one one quick thing, CJ. And, and again, thank you for the opportunity. I always love talking with you and interacting with you. I mean, you're, you've always been great to work with and, and appreciate all that you've done. Um, and I continue to watch, by the way, your career. So um, you're, you're doing great. And I really appreciate the things you continue to do to help people. Um, thank you. My word of advice to everyone in compliance is, you know, don't take yourself so seriously and have a little bit of fun once in a while. OK, yeah. you know, um, you'll find a big difference if you interject a little bit of humor into some of the serious issues you've got to deal with. And when you're especially when you're interacting with colleagues that are outside of compliance, right You know, this, you know, most people are very intimidated by compliance, interestingly. And so the more you can kind of level that and make people feel comfortable, right. You'll find, you know, it works a whole lot better and you're able to accomplish a lot more. So my, my advice is, you know, have some fun, you know, don't kill yourself yep. and, and try to, again, try to interject a little bit of, you know, fun and humor into what you have to do every day, because everything we do is serious stuff.
1: Exactly. That's great advice. Uh, I agree because if you can lighten lighten the mood a little bit, you 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 help those relationships develop, and then trust can be there. And when the serious things come up, then they're not afraid. Um, So that's that's great advice. Well, Dieter, thank you so much for your time and and sharing your ideas and thoughts and perspectives. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, If you're enjoying these podcasts, we we hope that you'll subscribe and that you'll share with colleagues and and friends, and we love to hear your ideas. If you have ideas for uh, different topics we should discuss, or if you know of guests that uh, might make good guests, uh, please uh, reach out to us and and we can see if those uh, ideas would work out. So um, from all of us at uh, Compliance Conversations, uh, thank you again and have a great day, everyone.
0: Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.